Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are you ready for the Bible? Very good. I'm going to open up this morning with Proverbs 4.23. Um, some of us know this because we've been uh, sharing this scripture for several weeks now. Above all else, will you say it with me? Guard your hearts, for everything you do flows from it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, it has been our privilege to come and to give you our worship this morning. You're worthy of our worship. It's one of the primary reasons we're here, God, is to declare our love and our allegiance to you and to give you worship because you are worthy of it. We love you. I just thank you, Lord, that as we were worshiping today, Lord, that weights and things that people have been carrying were just coming off. And my prayer today, Lord, is that when people walk out of here today, that uh, they won't feel a need to pick it back up. But Lord, what has been left before you, may it truly be left in your hands. Uh, we thank you, God, that you're a God who takes off the, the heavy yoke, the heavy burden. And uh, thank you, Lord, that you handle the God-sized things. And we focus on serving and following you. We worship you today. And Lord, as we hear your word, we pray that you would instruct our hearts. God, that you would speak to us. And uh, we trust your word, the authority of it. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit. God, to share what's in your heart. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. I, I got to admit to you, when we started this um, Guard Your Heart series, uh, I thought it was going to be a two-week series. And uh, I told you, I said, it's a short series. And here we are on week four. I believe it's going to be a four-part series. That's where I'm at. Um, but I got to check in with the boss, see what he says. Um, but you know, this concept of guarding your heart, it is an above-all-else concept, right? We need to guard our heart because God's, he's not looking for robots. He's looking for relationships right? He's looking for, not for outward conformity. He's looking for something transformative that's in our hearts and minds as we follow such a good and pure and great God. Our God wants to be in communion with us, and our hearts are part of that communion, and God wants uh, to, to, for our hearts to be a safe and pure place. That's why it says again, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It's such a critical part of our inner being because out of our heart flows our attitude, out of our heart flows our outlook on life, out of our heart flows the love that we have for others. And in this series, we've covered a bunch of topics. We've said that we've had these uh, guard your heart statements. Uh, the first one was we guard our hearts from the control of sin. The second one was we guard our hearts from the contamination of criticalness. The third one was we guard our hearts from the poison of unforgiveness. Uh, and the fourth one that we talked about last week, uh, so, so powerful God's word, we guard our hearts from the lie of hopelessness. Come on, Jesus. And if you missed the message, you can look in the podcast, you can look on YouTube and Facebook where the video versions are, uh, and you can catch up on one of those. But uh, we're just so thankful for God and His Word and the authority of it. Amen? Amen. So th today is our fifth topic. Today, our statement is, we guard our hearts from sexual immorality. 
And I heard a big, yeah, in the crowd. I hear that. I hear that. Um, I want to take you back to the beginning this morning as we look at guarding our hearts from sexual immorality. Genesis 2, verse 7. Are you with me today? A little bit of energy with with me today? Amen. Genesis 2, 7 says this. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I'm going to skip to verse 18. The Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. And all the fellows said, Amen. I will make a helper suitable for him. So, Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, rhinoceros, elephant, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man. He brought her to man. And the man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And she, for she was taken out of man. You've probably heard the joke, you know. He said, she shall be called, whoa, man. Um, Maybe it was a joke, maybe it wasn't. Verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother to be united with his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. You know, when you you look at um, chapter 1, God makes it really clear in chapter 1 of Genesis um, that God had made, in chapter 2, that God had made mankind and, and that uh, men and women were very different than animals. And, and um, when it goes back into chapter 1, it says that uh, God created mankind in his own image. There's something about us that's so very different about our souls that we're image bearers of God and his character and we're to, to reflect um, his character. There's, there's something very different. We love Fido, but we're different than Fido, you know? Um, when we get to chapter two, the Lord brings in like a more intimate view and starts naming Adam and Eve and Adam's naming the an- animals and you get this sense like something is missing. Now God knew something was missing, but Adam needed to know that something was missing and that something that was missing was someone. And God was making it clear that someone was missing. So he puts Adam in this deep sleep and he takes out his rib. I'm thinking, I hope that was a really deep sleep. If you happen to have had, just had heart surgery, you're feeling this today, right? Like <laughs> deep sleep. And the Lord forms Eve, God's gift to Adam, and God's gift to Eve was the one another. And that's why a man leaves his father and mother, is to be united with his wife and become one flesh. It's the picture of family, amen? God created family. And um, a man is united with his wife, they become one flesh, and sexual intimacy is and was God's idea.
Amen? It's God's idea. Sexual intimacy is a good thing. God created it. Amen? You're allowed to amen there. That's not a trick. I think it's important because sometimes, even as we're, we're bringing up our children, um, we can inadvertently teach that sex is bad. Sex isn't bad. Amen? It's not bad. It, there's a place for it. So God created, created marriage, the, the ultimate team. It was not good for Adam to be alone. And sexual intimacy was placed in the, that context, in the context of marriage, in the context of family. Would you say the word family with me? Amen. The two became one flesh, unified, intimate, as it says in verse 25, naked and not ashamed. And within that loving context, God creates children, God creates family. Marriage, marriage is this covenant or this contract between us and God. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a contract that says, this is my person. I should make Elizabeth stand next to me. The contract that says, this is my, my teammate for life. This is, uh, it's a contract that says, this is now my family. The marriage uh, covenant, is, it's intended to be like this safe place, this safe place of trust, this safe place for intimacy, and sex in that is a gift from God. Um, it's a form of intimacy that involves our whole being, our body, our soul, and our spirit. And because it's this place of intimacy, and because it's this place that is body, soul, and spirit, it is special, it is important, it is sacred, it is a gift. Amen? And that's why God protected it with the safety of a covenant, of a contract. Mark 10, 9, it says, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, as I'm preaching this to you, we can sometimes get into our heads and get lost and not listen to what's being shared. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? And I want to encourage you today, just open up your heart, let God's word come in you, and then let him triage all the thoughts. Amen? Um, I told you that today's topic was we guard our hearts from sexual immorality. Um, and here I am preaching about marriage and pre preaching about family first. Uh, before we look at the wrong thing, I wanted to look at the right thing. Amen? My pastor used to say this. I don't think he made it up. He said, the best way to tell if a, if a stick is crooked is to lay a straight one next to it. <laughs> Sage words for sure. I probably need, a, I don't know, a social media, you know, or something like more modern, but a stick's going to work, right? But there's something to that. There's something about let's look at what's right first. Let's not just look at what's wrong. Because in the right and the reason for the right is why other things are wrong. Y'all yes. follow me? Yes. And so it's, uh, sometimes as, as believers, we can be so much about what we're against that we forget what we're for, yes. right? And really, I don't think of my faith as all the things I'm against. I think about it who I'm for and whose allegiance I've given my heart to. Yes. So I do want to say this as we're getting into this today. If you are in sin, I am not here to condemn you today. I am here to call you to repentance, 
to turn from sin and to receive God's forgiveness. I mean that from the most sincere part of my heart. I am not here to shame you. I am not here to condemn you. I'm here to just call you to repentance. We're not gonna have a spotlight. We're not gonna show hands this morning or anything like that. That is not what, I, what I'm here for, amen? Um, it's really common today um, in our culture for um, people to live together bef- and to play marriage but not be married. Um, it's you know, very common. And there are some justifications uh, that, that we have for it, right? We'll, we'll justify to ourselves saying, like, you know, marriage is a big deal. Let's see if this works before we get married, right? Um, and it's kind of like, you know, like taking a new car off the lot and saying, hey, I'd like to drive this for a few years, and if I like it, I'll come back and I'll buy it long term. Like, you know, that's not really the intent. Courtship is actually meant to determine if we want to enter covenant, and sex is a sign of the covenant, not of the courtship, right? Or maybe it's, you know, we live together and we're going to wait because we want a really nice ceremony, we want a nice wedding, which I think it's wonderful to want a nice ceremony and a nice wedding, but that is prioritizing the ceremony over the covenant, right? And it's, it's when, when, the, when the ceremony is over, what you have is a covenant, and that's the day-to-day forever. I'm all for a great ceremony, right? The ceremony celebrates the covenant you made. The ceremony honors the covenant that you made. The ceremony is important. It's great. And if having a really good ceremony is important, I think it's awesome. Just consummate your marriage when you're, when you're married, right? Um, and I've worked with a lot of couples in these circumstances over the years. And normally what I would counsel them is I would just say, listen, um, get married. If this is your person, get married, right? And, or sometimes it, the answer is split up. Like if, if it's not a healthy relationship, if this is not your person for life, split up. Just don't enter into the covenant, right? Again, I'm not here to condemn. I'm just here to call to repentance. And, and here we are laying down the beauty of what marriage is and what it is for. The Old Testament is clear about um, sexual sin, as is the New Testament. I'm going to give you several scripture, uh, scriptures. I'm not going to give you all of the scripture. We're not here to do the entire doctrine and teaching on it. But what I do want to show you is that there is such a wide amount of information that scripture really covers. Um, and I want, want you to know that and see that. Back in Exodus 20, verse 14, it says, you shall not commit adultery. And uh, when you go to Leviticus 18, verse 20, it says, do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. And jumping into the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, it says, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relationships with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. You know, if it is not your spouse... It is sin. It's not what what God created you for. Um, Jesus, in Matthew 5, he takes the whole issue um, kind of deeper in the hearts of people. And uh, Jesus was known to do this, and we're in the the, uh, series called Above All Else, Guard Your What? Right? So watch what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard that it is said, you shall not commit adultery. And they're all like, yeah. We just heard that from Deuteronomy, right? 
But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in her heart, in, um, in his heart. Now, I got to tell you, can you imagine the crowd of people there? Some people probably would have gone, wait, what? Some people probably just out loud went, uh-oh. Because, <laughs> you know, Jesus took it further and just said, you can actually sin in your heart and not even be perpetuating it physically. And people are like, oh, no. Now, I want you to read this, the rest of this with me and note the context. Jesus is telling people don't commit adultery in their heart, right? Then he goes on. He's not changing subjects. Verse 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Ouch. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, he still hasn't changed the subject. Cut it off and throw it away. You're like, Jesus, are you? Yes. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. That is intense language, isn't it? And by the way, you know, Jesus was not actually looking for people to gouge out their eye. He was looking for us to change our hearts. And it was that he does this. He will classically overstate something intentionally to make a point. He's not looking for people to run around with one hand or no hands. He's looking for people to change their hearts. Amen? Um, what you do matters, but what we fantasize matters as well. Amen? Um, our hearts can be adulterous. Um, if, and I want to tell you today, if you are struggling in this area, if you are struggling with pornography, I want to t- proclaim to you today, God has freedom for you. Yes. God has freedom for you. Get, get accountable, get some help, break out of the shame we are here to walk with you. We are not here to shame you. We are here to, get, to all walk closer to Jesus. Amen? Amen. When I was um, working with teenagers, um, and I would ask them sometimes, so how are you doing um, in your purity life and things like that? And I actually used it as a litmus test. I shouldn't give this away. Um, and if they said, oh, Pastor Mike, no problem. Man. You know, never, I've never, had a, never struggled in that area at all. I'm like, okay, they don't want to tell me the truth. They didn't know I was doing that. Uh, And that's, you know, I find that's not just true for young people. That's true for adults. It's true in in seasons of life. The reality is everyone needs to overcome the sins that are in their heart. Amen? And we're not here to shame people, to expose people. We are here to lead each other to repentance and closer to Jesus. Sexual, um, Sexual purity has always been a real distinction of Christianity. Always. It's always been a real separator from it and the world, it and other religions. Um, and the subject, there's, there's not like gray in it. In Galatians 5, um, when uh, it's talking about the fruits of the Spirit, it then talks about the fruits of the flesh. And in verse 19, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And the first one out the door is sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and it keeps on going. Mentions orgies. I mean, it, it just go, you know, keeps on rage, selfishness. Um, sexual purity, when, when they went out with the gospel in the Roman world, one of the huge differentiators was this concept of monogamy and sexual purity. It was like, wait, wait, what? Like it was a differentiator. 
And we know God is the kind of God who he can change our hearts and minds and bring us to purity and bring us to that. But it's, he's bringing us to this picture of family and this picture of marriage that he has that is a very beautiful picture. Amen? Um, so what about, what does the Bible says, uh, say about homosexuality? It, it says a lot about it. I, I'm going to take one scripture this morning and I want to talk about it. Romans 1.24 says, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Going to verse 26. Because of this, God gave them over to, to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received for themselves the, the due penalty for their area, error. Homosexuality is a sin. I want to say this. We are not against homosexuals. I want to hear an amen. We are not against homosexuals. We are not, a, we do not hate homosexuals. Uh, uh, that is not what we're about. We don't apologize for God's laws and we don't apologize for God's marriage, a plan for marriage and family. And um, I have sat with many people over the years who are homosexual or, or battling uh, the temptation or, or in it and um, had very, very honest conversations. And honestly, I've appreciated the trust of even just being able to have the conversation. Because uh, it's easy for people to feel unsafe and uh, for people to feel like you're trying to come at them and tear them down. And that's not my heart at all. Um, I, wanna, I want people to know Jesus. I just want them to know Jesus. And I'm honored by the conversation. I've had people with tears in their eyes ask me hard questions. Like, I want to love who I want to love. And, you know, I don't, I don't think I have all the answers to all of this. I know what the picture is in the word is. I know that God, and, and one of the answers that I've shared is I think God, you know, he is your creator. He's made, you know, two genders and basically said half the planet, it, you know, is, is, you know, who you have the option with, right, to be married to. I don't, I don't think that's cruel. Um, I think it's also important to note that temptation is not sin. We talked about fantasizing is sin because basically that's entering into it without, in, without physically doing it, right? Temptation is not sin. My pastor used to say, he says, well, the birds can fly around your head. Don't let them make a nest. <laughs> These were his purity talks for us when we were teenagers. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Steve. <laughs> temptation is not a sin. Acting on temptation is sin. Fantasizing is sin. And so what do I say if someone is, is struggling with homosexual um, temptation? I would say the same thing to a homosexual that I would, uh, or someone dealing with that temptation as I would to someone else. God did not place in a man the temptation to sleep with another man's wife. Right? And God did not place in a man the temptation to sleep with another man. Um, the solution is the same in both situations. We resist temptation. Yes. We don't act on it, and we don't fantasize on it. We guard our what? Heart. We guard our hearts. And 
We ask the Holy Spirit to help us overcome our sinful desires. Let's remember, folks, and I I can't preach this whole message today. You cannot overcome sin in your own strength. I cannot overcome sin in my own strength. I have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work in me. But at the end of the day, on my weakest moment, on my worst day, I need the Holy Spirit's ability to overcome the power of sin. Amen? That's true for all of us. True for all of us. I want to tell you today that if you are battling temptation today, um, the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. That's the context of 1 John 4. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I want to encourage you, find somebody that you respect and that you trust and ask them for help. Don't battle alone. Don't try to fight the battle alone because the enemy has a cycle where he keeps you in a place where you're quiet and you haven't shared with anyone. And then what he does is you go through these cycles and he just beats you up and beats you up. And it's this cycle. And I just want to encourage you to come out of the cycle. Don't share your business with everybody. But find someone you trust that you can walk with. And at the end of the day, they're not going to save you, but Jesus will. Jesus will. And why why is sexual purity important to us? Because it's something that God created in this context of family. It's a gift. It's a good thing. It's a pure thing. I don't have to preach to you all the ways that the enemy has made it a bad thing. Right? But I think we as the church need to remember, and we as God's people to remember, hey, sex is our thing. Don't make that a sound bite on Facebook. (laughs) But in all seriousness, like, God created sex. For some of you, you're like, I just can't even hear that. Well, then you're thinking wrong. It's God's idea. He created it. I'm not going to be weird about it or anything, but... It is, it's our thing. It's a kingdom thing. It's a good thing. Amen? And again, I, I want to tell you today, if you're in sin today, I am not here to condemn you. I'm not here to pick up stones. I'm here to just call you to repentance, to, to turn from sin, to receive God's forgiveness. God is not trying to lead you into shame. He is trying to bring you into freedom. Amen? Maybe you're here today and maybe you haven't like fully given your heart to Jesus. I want to tell you today, none of us can overcome the power of sin without Christ in our life. I can't do it. You know, Christianity is not a self-help learning kind of thing where if you get good enough and get all the right knowledge, it's actually the admission that I am not powerful enough to lead my life. I need him. I need my savior. I need my shepherd to lead me and to guide me. And he's there to help me and to walk with me. Amen? Can you imagine when Jesus was sitting there talking and he's like, yeah, you shouldn't even be thinking about having, you know, sex with someone you're not married to. Some of them are like, yeah, yeah, right? And then other, other than them are like, oh, man, darn, right? And then he starts talking about the eye. And then he starts talking about the hand. And people are like, wait, what? Jesus, you're, you, yeah. Like he was really, really getting after it, right? I want to encourage you that God loves you. He has a good plan for you. 
and he's here to forgive. He is not here to hold your past and your, even if it's your present, your present over you. He is here to expunge it, to remove it. And I want to tell you today, if you've never received Jesus in your life, I want to tell you that you can receive him. There isn't a person on the planet, if you're hearing this and there's anything in you that says, I want Jesus, he wants you more. And you can receive him in your life today and say, God, I want to follow you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe, Jesus, you paid for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. And I want to follow you. He will receive you today. He loves you. I want to, I want to share one more thing before I move on. And I wasn't planning on sharing this. I'm going to share, try to, try to do it briefly and elegantly. Some of us have had experiences where because we were attacked or abused or somebody made something that God made beautiful ugly for you. And I want to tell you that God can heal that and that he loves you and that there is no shame that he is trying to put on you. He is not trying to shame you. He's not allowing that to be your identity. God, he makes you a new person. He is not trying to let that be something on your life. And he can purify what sex means in your life. He loves you and he cares for you. And how dare the enemy or anyone else steal something from you? He loves you and he cares for you. And you do not need to walk with shame or disgrace. He loves you. Amen? Would you stand with me today? I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up, and I'm, I'm going to pray corporately, and um, I'm going to pray for kind of both things. Maybe you're in a place, and you're like, I have some areas that I need to get fixed. I need to, I need to change. Um, God's here for you, and I want to encourage you, don't delay. You need to reach out to somebody quickly. I'm also going to pray for those who... I, I just addressed where maybe something that was good was made dirty or wrong for in your life. And God wants you to know today, you are not dirty, you are not unclean, and you can have what is pure and holy. That is not who you are, what you experienced. Father, we love you. And God, uh, today, Lord, for those of us, Lord, who we say, I've got some things in my life that are out of order and I need to repent. God, right now, come. You're in that place right now. You're just doing some business with the Lord to put your hand up. You don't have to say anything out loud. He hears you right now. Right now. Just tell him what you're feeling. Tell him what you're, what's in your heart. He loves you. Father, for others today, they're, they're in a battle and um, feel like they're just losing the battle over and over. You bring freedom for the captive. We bring you our repentance and I ask for your freedom. I pray that you would give them the right person to walk with. 
You said, confess our sins one to another. God, not not because we forgive the sin, because it brings it out to light and brings freedom to our lives. Thank you, Lord. And I pray for those today, Lord, that something that is pure was made impure to them and it was outside of their power. Come. Come with your love. Come with your healing. Come with your comfort, God. Your embrace. Your love. Oh, you're so good. You are so good. We worship you today, Lord. We love you. And I ask, Lord, would you seal what we have talked about today? And Lord, don't let the enemy harass, exploit, uh, rough up people. God, this is, we call it a sanctuary. It's a safe place. And Lord, make your people safe. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.com.